when I break it down, like I'm a small business owner in one of the most expensive cities in the world, I am capable of generating enough business to support myself and two people that I care dearly about and make a lot of people happy. And I don't have, you know, like I can still have a, have a social life and I can enjoy my days and I don't have to wake up super early and I don't have to really answer to anybody except for the people that I want to answer to. So it sort of was like, huh, actually, isn't that everything I ever wanted? I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings, drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. Today's episode comes from a write-in suggestion from a listener, Dasha Cabarina. So, Dasha, thank you so much for the suggestion. In today's episode, I interview Miyuki Beerline, who is a professional dog walker. She owns a business in Berkeley, California called Floppy Ears Pet Care, where they do a few other dog-related things as well, but the bulk of the business is dog walking. She now has a couple people that work underneath her doing dog walking as well. So we will talk about what her life is like as a dog walker, um, what pay is like as a dog walker, if you wanted to try to open up your own business, and then some more fun questions like what are some of the strangest conversations that she's ever gotten caught having with the dogs. Um, As a side note, there there were a couple of questions in this episode that were listener sent in questions, and obviously, as I already said, this whole episode comes from a suggestion from a listener. So if you have any suggestions for either a question from an upcoming episode, which I will always post to my social media, or if you have uh, a particular particular interview that you would like me to do, please feel free to go to halfhourintern.com and send in your thoughts. Without further ado, here is Dog Walker. Miyuki, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, not a problem. So I think the best way to start would be you taking us through like a typical day. Does, does any sort of typical day exist for you? It does, actually. Um, this like most any other jobs does end up taking on some sort of structured form. Uh, I would say that the way that my days are a lot like other people's days, except truncated and a lot more packed in the few hours that I'm actively working. So a typical day for me, I start myself midday. Uh, I have two contractors that work for me um, and I connect with them at some point earlier in the morning, make sure that they have the keys that they need for the dogs they'll be caring for, see if there's any changes that occurred in the schedule via email overnight. And um, I usually get going in my, my little CRV head out and I do group walks personally. I have two contractors that do the neighborhood walking portion. So they're the ones that go out and go to people's houses and take individual dogs out while I do the fun field trip every day. <laughs> so so you'll, I, I saw this on your website. So you will yeah. go to like a park or a um, whatever it is and like bring several dogs there. So that's what you'd kind of take take on exactly. as a responsibility. Yeah, that's the um, that's the portion of the walks that I uh, take responsibility for. So I'm the I'm the crazy person with the six dogs running wild and rampart. Except they're not running wild and rampart because I'm real good at my job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I pick them up. Every, you know, I stop at everybody's house. It takes usually somewhere between an hour and hour and a half. Do the pickups themselves. We go to a park. Um, we are really lucky out here to have some really beautiful dog friendly places. Um, Thinking specifically, there's this beautiful place park called Point Isabel. That's basically dog nirvana. It's a giant peninsula that is a dog park. So we go out there for an hour and walk, play, play fetch, um, get them to chase each other and tire each other out, all the good stuff. And uh, then we head back and do the same thing backwards and drop them all off. So really, my my work, my active work day is like a three or four hour um, ordeal, uh, with one hour of actual intensive dog attention to up to six dogs. That's actually the legal limit of dogs that we're allowed to have at any time for anyone that's curious. Whoa, Um, that's crazy. Uh, Why, (laughs) why is that? I think it's, um, I think it's to prevent people from doing the thing where like you, if you've seen, um, 
in the East Bay, we don't really have this issue, but I guess in San Francisco, I, I've heard some horror stories of walkers having something upwards of like 12 dogs or something. And no matter how good you are at this job, um, there's only so much attention you can spread out and animals will be animals. So you just want to have the ability to act quickly in any situation that might arise. And I guess through some science, someone figured out six is pretty much a good number to, to settle at. And it, it, it has actually been, generally speaking, um, I'm very grateful for that limit because you'd be surprised how just one or two more over that will really like just make everything like go into crazy chaos. So yeah, there yeah. must be some sort of thing I, I would imagine. Like here, here's the um, the made up study that I'm going to think about is that sure. I bet you there is some sort of thing where like at six the dogs will follow one single leader, but anything oh, mo- like yeah. they so maybe like dogs naturally would run around in packs of about seven, but if you get to yeah. like ten dogs, then maybe like six of them will follow one leader, and then like three will follow another leader, and now there's a problem because you got these like three dogs just disrespecting you. Yeah, you know what? I like that, and I don't even care if that's not real. I'm going to just start telling people that the <laughs> truth is that this is alpha pack mentality. Like when they were wolves, they roamed in packs of seven, and I am head wolf. And yeah, yeah. Therefore, you can cite we'll the um, you can cite the Blake Fletcher study of 2015. There we go. The Fletcher study. Have you heard of this? Yeah. Like this is very groundbreaking. <laughs> you know, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> So when you're going to this this kick-ass dog park that you go to, yeah. are there other dog walkers that you see there every single day? Like, do you have a little click now? I definitely see other walkers. There's definitely um, we're. This is a really interesting field in which uh, there seems to be enough of 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 business to go around for in, for everybody that wants to kind of be in it. So plus for you, if you really want to be a dog walker, um, there's we live in an area that dogs are children for people. So there's only so many dogs each person can handle. So you just, yeah, I definitely have at least three or four people that we see on a daily basis or depending on the park, you know, uh, um, whenever I'm there that we just sort of pass by each other with our flocks of dogs, you know, Hey, what's up? Walk by each other. Sometimes we let the dogs play. Sometimes we keep our packs to ourselves. Um, But yeah, there's like a small community. Sometimes, Sometimes we'll uh, we'll sort of band together and chat, but a lot of the times it's like you just sort of see each other in the distance. But um, it's a pretty friendly and uh, encouraging and kind community in terms of the the walkers that have been doing this for a while. Yeah, that's nice uh, which to I have, really like. Yeah, that's great to have some sort of uh, some level of interaction like that. It's really hard when you have. Um, your own kind of home-based business and some some days you start to feel like am I just like a total anti-social person now like, <laughs> like, like what, when was the last time I spoke to another human being yeah you know but I kind of feel like that sometimes too because I spend the majority of my time either in a car talking at the radio or talking to dogs with um and it's like even when this is the funny thing about being at like working with dogs and you notice this is even when you run into other people and you're chatting with them they're sort of talking to you through the dog like you are sort of like the the dog i don't know like the bodyguard or something they're like oh hello there how are you are you having a good walk and it's like yes uh jake is having a great walk he's doing very well let me communicate for you what he's what he's trying to say like i just feel like the dog interpreter or something nobody really wants to talk to me they just want to talk to the dog so that's kind of an interesting <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Now I have to ask you one of the listener questions that came in. So yeah. I, I, that's crazy that this just naturally came up. So one of the <laughs> listeners, uh, Felicia Kemp, asked, do dog walkers have conversations with the dogs? And what is the weirdest conversation that you've ever been caught having with a dog? Oh, my gosh. Yes, we have conversations with the dogs. I basically I feel like sometimes my conversations are theater theater pieces for other people at dog parks so they don't judge me if my dogs are being bad. (laughs) Um, I think my most common weird conversation that I actually think I'm intending for people to catch is when like (laughs) when you have a dog that is um, has is is demonstrating um, like a what is it like dominant behavior so they start humping and it's just like this like i'm like chiding the dog i'm like now dog you know better than to mount we're not doing that in this park. it's not okay we are being very rude 
so rude. We do not do this. Like, yeah. It's very much like, please, please don't judge me. I'm really sorry that my dog decided to hump your dog. I'm yeah, trying real watch hard. me reprimand this dog right now. And it's going to do absolutely yeah. nothing. And it's so hard because it's not even your dog, you know? Yeah, I'm just trying my best to reinforce, you know, whatever training other people have. But I'm, you know... I definitely have, I have, I've been shamed quite often by the dogs. Um, I love them, but you know, they're going to be, they're just going to act the way they're going to act sometimes and you got to do your best. And I feel like those are the conversations I tend to have the most with the dogs, but I do feel kind of sheepish when someone catches me talking to my dogs. And I have this tendency that my, my affectionate terms can be a little um, off color, I think. So um, I feel real bad when someone walks up to me and I'm like petting one of my dogs or whatever and be like, oh, look at you. You're so dumb. You're just such a dummy. Like, look at your dumb ears. <laughs> I, I mean, it was so much love. Like, that's just sort of my totally. <laughs> my odd choices of wording. But sometimes I do wonder if someone thinks I'm just very, very unkindly putting down all of the dogs and, you know, messing with their self-esteem or, you know, I wouldn't doubt it. It's the Bay Area, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting when you're so I, I have a dog and it, it's it is interesting when you're at the dog park with your dog and you, you know, you, everyone a has the, the things that they say to their dog or their shorthand or this or that. And there's always the piece of like, am I being judged right now for whatever it is, you know, like, yeah. um, the fact that I just or you and I actually were giving the example, um, but or you were giving the example before, like during the pre-interview, you were talking about like holding a dog in a certain way or whatever. And and if you know that maybe like somebody else is going to get offended, it's just the fact that you're yeah. like holding your dog that way. It's like you're kind of constantly questioning, like, all right, does this look okay right now? What I'm doing? Yeah, yeah, because you definitely have a, a lot of people that mean well. Um, I think this must be also what it's like when you have, you have or work with children too. It's like, you have your own dynamic with whatever group of, I love this. Yes. Children and animal, basically the same thing for me. You just can't create children. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I think there, you know, everybody has their own dynamic with their own pets or if you're a dog walker with the, the pack that you accumulate. Um, and you, you know, people just, it's always that weird thing of you never know when people are watching you, you never know how behavior is going to be perceived. And it's a, that may be one of the only, I mean, like there's plenty of things that can go wrong, but that's one of the bigger stressors I feel like in this job is just the sense of, I feel like, cause every, so many people have dogs. So many people have pets in general that they all sort of feel like they're an authority on it, or they've read a study about this, or they've done this, or they've done this kind of training. So you're often kind of coming up against, well-meaning people that are going to tell you how to like their backseat driving your own your your job which i don't know how many other professions that's sort of a a thing that comes up you know where everybody sort of assumes they can do your job totally so. totally and it's um mm -hmm. it just puts you in such a weird spot like I, the times that i've taken my dog to the dog park and let's say my dog wants to start like roughhousing with another dog right. like they're dogs, for God's sake. Like, that's exactly. okay. Like, if you look at any Absolutely. animal in nature, like, they like to freaking roll around and scrap it up sometimes, you know? And but make noises and, and, and chew on each other a little bit. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And it's, <laughs> talk about, like, the epitome, though, of, like, you feeling kind of weird is, like, when you see the other owner and it's just like, uh, like, sorry. And, and like, I always, I, I love it. And it's it, it's unfortunate how rare it happens. But I love it when, if, if my dog kind of roughhouses with another dog and I immediately turn to the other owner i'm like oh sorry about that blah 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 and the other owner is like oh no it's totally cool like they're just playing right now and i'm like yes yeah. like thank you those are those are but the people those I, are the people to like flock to and hug i love those people i'm i constantly work on the edge of uh caution over um letting letting situations escalate so i tend to i always say like i'm the like hermit dog walker that's keeping the pack to themselves and not letting other dogs play with us and stuff yeah well um, i mean when you have a your own business b you're walking six dogs at the same time yeah, i would imagine you, just, you have to you kind want, of err with the side of caution absolutely I, erring on the side of the caution and i i often tell clients or prospective clients that that my my ability is in, in as the pack leader, as, you know, as the dog walker is only to really be able to be sure that your dog is safe. I can't, I can't vouch for another person's dog's behavior. So sometimes it breaks my heart where I'm like, I can see, you know, somebody wants 
to let their dog come and play with my pack. But I'll be like, you know, today's not a good day for this because I know the behavioral patterns of, you know, A, B, and C dog. And I can just see that trouble might be brewing. Totally. Um, and stuff, you know. man, stuff does it. I, I don't know. Yeah. Now, now as we're talking more, it's like, I guess I understand when people aren't cool with my dog roughhousing with them or they're, I don't know, because yeah, stuff escalates really quickly with dogs. Like things can go from playing to serious, like real fast, you know? And, it can. Uh, it can. I think that, I mean, in general, I think that, you know, be, I, I also at the same time, though, like, you know, I want the, the dogs to play and I want them to enjoy themselves. And I think it's just about it's more for me judging the owner, <laughs> judging the other people at the park versus their dogs. Um, because if somebody's attentive and they're also paying attention to their roughhousing dog, like then I know if something's going to go down, like they're going to be able to, you know, jump in there and pull them out, you know, pull, you know, help me break up the fight or whatever. I rarely, you know, the funny thing is, like, I think people, um often look at dog walkers and like, oh, here comes trouble. Here comes six dogs and one person. But we're so on high alert that we're not the ones whose dogs usually get in fights. And I'm always the other end of the park sometimes watching people, like just seeing it, like they're not paying attention. They're not paying. Oh, look. Oh, oh there go the dogs. And <laughs> he, oh, oh, there's the, there's one owner. Where's the other owner? They're on a cell phone. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, no, I think it's just about know your dog and just be ready to be proactive if in the case that if you know your dog is if your dog's a rough housing dog if your dog likes to play it's like it's like dogs play bow at each other right they do that they you know they they bend down and they go you know you want to play with me you want to play with me and then you know the dogs hopefully get a some dogs just go for it but whatever like you know they they communicate in their own way and i think in a way owners should really kind of learn to do that too a little bit like hey is it cool that my dog's playing with your dog like are we cool? We're cool. We're cool. Let's watch our dogs play though. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, just, just be aware, like just pay attention. Your dogs are dogs. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had any issues with, with an aggressive dog or for I that matter, definitely... like an aggressive dog that you're walking? Yeah. You know, um, one of the things, like I said, I'm, and I, I really encourage this than any, anyone that ever wants to do something like this is, um, being proactive and thinking ahead of the game, essentially. Um, I don't take on dogs that have, for example, I, I, I don't take on dogs that have histories of aggressive behavior or uh, poor, poor recall skills, things that are going to make my life miserable from the get-go. I'm not going to take that dog on as a client because they're just going to make my, my other five dogs' lives harder, basically. If I can't get a dog to respond to me because you're telling me your dog has no skills to be, you know, to respond, that's really not a dog that's made for, say, like an off-leash dog walk adventure. That might be a dog that does well on leash, but, you know, you kind of need to gauge each potential client and each potential dog. So the cases in which I've ever dealt with one of my dogs being aggressive or problematic are usually kind of catch me by surprise or there are situations that um, are huge learning lessons for me and then don't get repeated in whatever sense. Um, I have kind of a general rule that if I have a dog that started out fine on, on walks or whatever, on, on group walks in particular, suddenly starts being snippy or whatever, it's like I have a three strike rule basically. <laughs> like The clients get worn, you know, it's like, hey, you know, I have insurance, I'm covered, but there's a lot of laws out there that are scarier for like owner responsibility in California with your dog. And nobody wants their dog to wear that. There's a, there's an orange tag of shame that dogs that, um, have bitten other people or other dogs have to wear. It says potentially dangerous dog. And it's, it's definitely the scarlet letter for the dogs. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> it's really sad when it happens. Um, and I've been very fortunate that uh, I haven't had situations um, at the parks in particular where my dogs have gotten into fights that have caused huge issues. Occasionally we have like, you know, a, a play date that went poorly and yeah, there was a nip or something. But I, you know, I, I've been very lucky. I have great insurance. Get insurance. It's key. Like, don't do this if you're not going to get the insurance. It, it's the greatest thing ever. Is insurance expensive? But, uh, it's not so bad. It's uh, it's in the camp of like 
under a grand for a year for very, I mean, there's only really, I think like one provider for, for pet care uh, professionals, which is, they, they, they are clearly running the right business, but yeah. it's just, you know, if you're going to be responsible for other people's, I mean, I, you know, it's like, we don't think of it that way, but other people's property, basically it's like, they're cars that can drive themselves and run into each other. So you just want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're covering your own ass and the dog and the owner as much as possible. Yeah, good analogy for sure. Yeah. Um, so I think now's a decent time for another listener question. Uh, this one sure. comes from Chris Regali, and he asks, do you have your own dog? If so, do you sometimes feel bad not taking your own dog out and taking other dogs out instead? <laughs> so um, I used to share custody of a dog with um, a former partner of mine. And yes, I used to feel very bad that she wasn't able to join me on my walks because I unfortunately had a dog that wasn't very good with other dogs. So she required a lot more um, one-on-one attention if I was going to take her to a dog park. But I feel like she started looking like I, you know I'm, of course i was like anthropomorphizing the dog or whatnot <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. i feel like don't look at me like that i know i know you can smell what i'm going to do <laughs> i'm so sorry like um it's tough but you know unless your dog's really your personal dog is is gonna basically be like a great addition to the team because they're gonna really like make everybody play better or they're gonna you know just put everyone in check in a good way or whatever. It's like, eh, you know, I'm not getting paid to walk my own dog. And that's a spot. The cold hard truth of it is there's someone out there that will give me their dog that will give me money. Too. Yeah, totally. So I think it's like, you know, in those cases, it's, it's like, look, love you puppy, but mama's got to eat and mama wants to feed you. So you're going to have to stay home and we'll go to the park later. <laughs> um, but occasionally in the in that past situation like you know she was still able to come out with me when i had um smaller days and i had the time and the the kind of if i knew that the dogs i had with me were um were good enough temperament that she could come out and play and have a free play date and that's great that's a really good feeling when you can incorporate your personal furry loved one into your job but yeah sometimes sometimes they gotta stay home while you go and Make the make, make the money the so that they can have their treats. That's right. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit more about the business side of things. So it sounds yeah. like the the actual like core work portion is only about you know three four hours of your day. So I imagine there is a large portion of nowadays like social media marketing yourself, branding, like whatever else that you're having to do throughout the day. Definitely. Um, I still think my, in a weird way, my workday doesn't end because people, I mean, people are usually very decent about, you know, not contacting me all hours, but um, I'm constantly getting, you know, emails or whatnot about adding on walks or client um, inquiries or people are canceling or people are rescheduling. There's a lot of you know, I'm I'm the person people call when their job is asking them to do extra. So sometimes that means I work overtime in weird ways. Um, but yeah, I definitely spend. So like, yes, as you said, like the, the core actual physical work is maybe three, four hours. But there's a lot of time that's just administrative, creating schedules, keeping up with the emails, the financial records. I'm a one woman, you know, team for all that, basically. Yeah. Um, I have a Facebook presence. I'm not the greatest at it, but trying to just sort of keep up with the youth of today and the technology and be hip and cool. <laughs> it's appeals so, to the tech, so, the tech so hard. Yeah, it's so hard. Um, definitely. And it's about the, you know, it's also these sort of businesses. I think the, the, um, things like dog walking and I imagine things that are sort of analogous and caretaking, they're nice in the sense that you can kind of control the size of, and the size and the scope of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, I'm currently not necessarily interested in say like starting a, a, a larger business model, you know, like having like a, 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 you know, an actual location and having a franchise or something, something bigger scope like that um, would require a whole, a hell of a lot more work than the reason I'm in this field sort of, which is to have sort of a flexible life and get to be outdoors and work for myself and not have a lot of the, the structural constraints of a everyday nine to five. Um, 
But if you wanted to be a entrepreneurial dream, make a, you know, make a gigantic dog empire, you could technically do it. You could get enough people on board and hustle, you know, same thing. I mean, we definitely, I've been pretty fortunate that our online presence and our word of mouth and the quality of my business have sort of kept me, um, self-propelling in a sense, like I get a lot of recommendations from references. I pass out a lot of business cards. I have a good, you know, I, I have a good enough, say like Yelp presence that people will filter in, but I don't have to like chase down business. I think to start it nowadays, I'm quite frankly, I don't know. There's a lot more people that are doing this or there are a lot more like, uh, tech savvy people that are trying to make this a little more I I keep calling it like the Uberification of all all commodities, right? So Absolutely. You, know, you, you, got, you, you got, literally just like stole the next question out of my mouth, which was about like uh, how those websites and apps are affecting you and is that like good for business, bad for business? Like are are you on these different websites and apps and stuff no, or I'm no? Not. Okay. <laughs> I'm not. Like I said, um for me personally, I am I do this and I'm kind of running off the tradition of, of the, the gals that are the founders of this, of this being a really personal relationship with each client at the, at the risk of sounding like a big hippie. It's, you know, for me, it's really important that I have connection with the people who I'm walking dogs for and that the dogs themselves are dogs that I enjoy being around and the people that work for me are people I I'm connected to and that I trust. This is a huge business built on trust. You know, we're bringing, we're going into people's homes and taking their loved creatures out, but also having just access to, anything that's in their house, you know, and, um, to me, it's just, it's a really, it's a real honor and a privilege to be able to be in that sort of position. And I'm not really interested personally in finding a way to just get as many people on board to do it with like a, you know, limited training. Like for me, I take on people and I really like apprentice the, you know, the 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 f and f out of them because it's really important for me that the people that work for me continue to give the quality of work that i feel like is important and has kept me in the business for the last since i started being a walker and then moved up in the ranks to the owner all that you know real american dream stuff there (laughs) yeah totally um i i just think like my business is stuck around because we do good work. And what worries me a lot and what, what worries me and doesn't worry me with the, the new app, the app culture and of, of the attempt to, to kind of break into the caretaker world of it is that I don't, what I don't worry about is that the people that I want to walk dogs for are not going to use those sort of services because they're looking for connective One on one, they want to know the person that's going to take on their dogs. I have looked at these websites with fear and uh, stress, and uh, you know, like um, just puffed up chest. Like, how dare you? Like, what are you doing on (laughs) on my turf? Yeah. But I I just can't. For me personally, I I don't see how the people that are interested in basically, like, yeah, like an Uber of dog walkers or whatever. I don't see how I would be able to feel good about taking on the the people that are gravitating towards a basically like whatever I just push a button and somebody comes and takes care of my dog versus people that want to have like know my name and you know that want me to sort of know their life and know their dog's life and I don't know I just feel like it's a we're like we're like it's sort of like I guess in a way like bookstores have this I know that I'm sure it takes it has taken away potential business from me but there are different people that gravitate towards say like a giant online, you know, like mega store, like Amazon for books versus people that are going to the smaller brick and mortar stores. I think that we're kind of the brick and mortar stores of dog walkers. Yeah. Totally. Oh God, that's such a like long winded, strange metaphor. I just that's created, such a good but, analogy. Um, I love it. Thank you. Thank analogy. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I do, I, I imagine that it's very appealing to to try to make this app appifiable. App, gosh, do we have a, a verb for apps? <laughs> I wouldn't know it if we do, but yeah. Right. I understand the appeal of that, especially in like the, the, the fast growing technological world we live in. But I have the the privilege and the um, I guess the uh, the history and the 
and the, the references to sort of be able to continue to do this on a more personable level. So I don't think that will ever quite be, I don't, I, I hope not. Gosh, no, it's like, talk to me in like, you know, four years and we'll see how this goes. But I think that it's sort of like we can coexist in this, this world. Like I was saying um, earlier, what's kind of nice about, what's kind of nice about being a dog walker is that you, you're constantly competing with other people, but you can only take on so much business and you can only take on so much business for the people that work for you too, because there's only so many hours in a day and we're limited by the, the, the laws and restraints of our permits and stuff. So yeah, it's an interesting thing that I'm watching happening. And so far, so far I feel like it's, it's just made it easier for people to pick and choose the kind of thing that they want out of a caretaker for, for their animals. Absolutely. And And I think that's a really good and balanced view that you have of it. Cause yeah, I mean, there's certainly a customer for everyone, you know, there's a customer that wants that and there's a customer that wants what you have. So, I mean, both those people, I guess, should be able to get served. Hopefully. I mean, like I said, I, I don't, it's a fast paced change in the world and we're doing a very like, you know, on the ground kind of service. So I'm, I hope, I hope we can continue to coexist. Otherwise, I don't know. Like I got to figure out how to like code or something. <laughs> it sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So Miyuki, what, I, I know that you went to uh, UC Berkeley across the Bay, yeah. which is like uh-huh. one of the best schools in the country, quite frankly. Indeed. And what, oh, yes. what were you thinking when you went into school, I, I imagine, so correct me if I'm wrong, that you like started this kind of as you were winding down school. So what um, like what were you thinking you were going to get into out of school? And at what point <laughs> do, did you decide like, I, I'm sure for a while you were just kind of like dipping your toes in this and be like, okay, yeah, like uh, I'll still kind of move on to that other thing. At what point were you like, nope, I'm just totally doing this dog walking thing now? <laughs> what was i thinking um <laughs> yes ask, my parents have asked me that same question wow um <laughs> i definitely did not go to uc berkeley to start a dog walking business and i actually did not start this business so i definitely didn't go to uc berkeley to become a dog walker um i went in with um various intentions and became a theater major yes i'm uh and when i graduated actually um so my, my two best friends started this company. We're gross like that. We were um, we used to call ourselves like the babysitters club of dog walkers because it was like three best friends walking dogs. It was just the cutest, preciousest thing ever. <laughs> um, but it was actually very, um, I honestly, like, I wish I had like a really great, like, I was always animals and Cesar Milan is my hero. And I just really had passion. Um, This was sort of, I was a theater artist. Uh, I was in specifically, I was working in costume design for, um, I did it up until basically last year. I was doing um, freelance work in in the theater community, which is really fantastic in the Bay area. So go theater. Um, But I needed a day job and um at the same time that I was graduating and starting to work as an artist in the community, my friends were starting this company and it just sort of was fortuitous that around the, the time that I just was really tired of waking up at 4am to be a barista, which is of course like the artist's like first choice of a daytime job or whatever. Um, they, they needed another hand and I had been, uh, I'd grown up with dogs and cats and a ferret um, as a child. So I definitely love animals and I've always been good with animals. And um, I missed them when I was in college and didn't have a pet. So when my friends had this company and they were, they, we used to do this thing at um, a local farmer's market where we were basically a doggy valet service. So while people went to shop, we took care of their dogs. And I just started volunteering with them because I just liked playing with dogs and meeting them again and, it was a kind of, I think, in, for them, as they were starting the company, um, a really good opportunity to sort of gauge. They had a few people that were doing it, and they kind of got to gauge, I think, who who was more in tune with the uh, behavioral side or had a, had a, had a, had a good, um, good, cool head sort of to, like, manage the problems that would come up if dogs got in fights or whatnot. So eventually, 
when they started branching out more and got more business, they asked me to come on board if I wanted to walk a few dogs. A few dogs turned into more dogs, turned into every other day I had some dogs to walk, which turned into I had five, you know, five days a week worth of dogs um, because we all were just kick ass and did really well and were really got into the got into the dog game at the right time, basically. And um, I think the point at which this became for me um, a choice of this is going to be uh, the career thing was also a little bit fortuitous. It was sort of a, so both the founders of the company have moved on to other professions, which is something that does happen. I think in this field, it, it is a little, you know, it's physical, physically demanding and it's definitely mentally demanding. So I think, um, I think some sometimes you outgrow it, which is, I think, the case with a lot of jobs. So I think it's wonderful that, it, for me, it sort of became, I just kept getting promoted. And eventually when um, my friend Catherine decided to move into another profession and field, uh, she and I had a very uh, serious conversation about what was going to happen with the business, whether we were going to just, just let it dissolve and tell other dog walkers that, you know, um, our, our clients were going to be needing new walkers and re recommend them, which has happened. That's kind of the nice thing too. It's a very giving community. Like once you connect with other dog walkers, if they have too many clients or, or they, you know, are moving away or whatever, like we, we try to be very generous with one another and support each other. So yay for that. That's great. Um, right. but yeah, she asked me if I would consider running the company and that was sort of the point at which I was tired of being a starving artist because uh, it's not cute after a certain age, believe it or not. Um, and it sounded great. It sounded like a, a really great way for me to still kind of live the the flexible, not traditional nine to five job life that I had been accustomed to and still get to be an artist and still get to be, you know, not waking up at 6 a.m. <laughs> um but also have a little more stability. And I just really like this particular job. I really enjoy people and connection and I like animals and <laughs> I like dogs. Um, <laughs> so it just seemed um, it was the right time and I was in the right place and I had the right connections. <laughs> Basically I got very lucky in that way. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I wish that I again, like I kind of wish I had a more. Uh, what would I feel like be a more apt sort of story? But I feel like sometimes jobs like these and these sort of professions kind of find you versus you looking for them. Totally, they're such totally. odd things. You know, yeah. it's not like I. Was, yeah. I don't know. I think now there's six year olds that are like, I want to be a dog walker when I grow up, but I certainly didn't know it was an option. Like my parents were like, "What? That's a job?" I'm like, in the Bay Area. It's a job. <laughs> yeah, Miyuki, honestly, like 90% of the people that I've interviewed for this show, they, when I ask the question of like, you know, like, what was your story? Or like, how did you get into this? Like, it, never is the person like, well, I just really wanted to do this. Like, 90% <laughs> of the time, it's like, well, this is a really crazy one-off story. And it's like, mm -hmm. every single person has a crazy one-off story as to how yeah. their life happened, which is funny yeah. because I... Um, you know, my prior job to this, I thought I really, really wanted to do it and it didn't work out that well. And I know tons of people, you know, who are in that boat too. So, I mean, yeah. I think it really says something about like letting your life happen and flow as it will, um, and not trying to control and micromanage every little aspect of your own destiny. Absolutely. And I think we just also live in a, a, a you know, this, it's like an ever changing, like world and culture and time where it's just more acceptable that we change our minds because maybe the thing that we thought we wanted to do when we were 19 is, you know, a little different in the reality of doing it. And that's okay. That as children, basically, which we still were, we didn't realize that that was maybe going to, you know, that wouldn't pan out as a lifelong career. And I think change is fine and change is great. And every, I don't regret, I love the way that my, my strange odd jobs and stuff that sort of shaped me as a person and they've definitely really helped and come in handy in lots of ways in the, in the job I do now. And I think why not? 
say yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, saying yes yeah. Is, is a powerful tool, and I'm down with that. <laughs> yeah. Miyuki, how has this job changed your views and your goals and just who you are as a person? You mentioned kind of the the questions from your parents and stuff like that. And I just, it, I, I feel like it's very poignant, like coming up on Thanksgiving yeah. when most people are going to see their families and everything. I think back yeah. to when I, about six months ago, quit my job that I had, that was my career that I had had for the previous like nine years or something like that. And mm-hmm. I quit without another job to roll into and was just going to be trying to start this, trying to start half hour intern. And I remember at that time I was engaged to my wife and I remember like thinking uh, like like the the thinking like moments after I quit, like call my (laughs) boss and quit with him thinking to the day that we were going to get married and thinking like, man, I'm going to be there with my wife's family and like probably some people connected to my wife's family that I don't know who are going to be like, so I'm sorry, what do you do for a living? And, uh, and you know, like all those questions and it's like, dang, like before with my prior job, it's like, I, I, I basically I had to like, just completely harikiri my ego and like sacrifice it and be like, okay, I I need to be okay with not having this like prestigious title anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. and not having that as like a thing to hide behind or to talk Mm -hmm. about or whatever as an answer to questions at family gatherings. Um, do you feel like you've been changed as a person a little bit, like kind of settling into this role? Absolutely. I think, um, it's interesting that I think you and I have like slightly different former, former selves that we sort of had to like make peace with to come into the, our, our new professions, which we both are, seems like, uh, kind of newly settling into for me, it was a lot of like kind of letting go of the notion that in order to, to live my dreams and be, you know, to be an artist of some kind, um, that I had to to struggle and I had to live it 24-7 and breathe it. And that's the only way. Otherwise, I was a sellout. You know, I never wanted to sell out. You know, I couldn't I couldn't get a real job and, you know, give up because then what was what, you know, what was all that time I had spent like investing in it, meaning, you know, it meant nothing anymore because I gave up and I I became boring and a and a cog in the machine or, you know, some whatever, some bullshit like that. <laughs> um, what I really realized is that. What's important is really asking yourself if the thing you're doing is making you happy and being able to understand that success isn't just like this, this very straight path of, you know, on a graph of just up, 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 up. Um, and that there's, there's ways to, to, to sort of make compromises with yourself and with the things that you thought you were, I guess, um, for me, it became really apparent that the work I was doing as a in the theater community and stuff was struggling a lot because I was not really able to give myself to it in a way that I, you know, you know, at whatever, 18 or whatever, had dreamt that I would because I was constantly trying to struggle to pay my bills or, um, you know, pay rent on time and stuff like that. Real, real things, real adult things that become more real as you grow up basically. Um, and I, I I sort of thought to myself, like, as I, I was sort of playing with this, this idea of taking over this business, you know, well, you know, like, what does that mean for, for the part of me that really loves the different, the different things that I do um, artistically that fulfill me. It's like, well, doesn't it just mean it changes the scope of how I might approach those things? I still get to, you know, what was important to me was that I had stability. Um, and stability looks, well, of course, it's partially it's financial, but a lot of it's also like mental and health stability. It's feeling comfortable in whatever ways that are going to facilitate you being the best version of you that you want to, you know, are able of being. And the looking at this profession, it gave me a lot of the things that I still, that still could facilitate me doing the things I love being a dancer, being a, you know, being a theater artist, being, you know, passionate about all, all the fun, great hippie feely touchy things that I do. Um, 
was that it gave me, it still allowed me to be flexible and in charge of my own life. And I liked that. And probably in such a better mental, emotional headspace while you're doing those things that, yeah, you, you, you can keep on actually appreciating those things. Exactly. Um, and I think that was at the end of the day, it was, it's like maybe not the profession I thought of being a part of or whatever, but when I think about, when I break it down, like I'm a small business owner, in one of the most expensive cities in the world, I am capable of of generating enough business to support myself and two people that I care dearly about and make a lot of people happy. And I don't have, you know, like I can still be, have a, have a social life and I can enjoy my days and I don't have to wake up super early and I don't have to really answer to anybody except for the people that I want to answer to. So it sort of was like, huh, Actually, isn't that everything I ever wanted? <laughs> cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or at least that's what I want in my life right now. And so, yeah, I think it has changed me because it's made me a lot happier. Um, and actually, it's it's freed up a lot of the the space in my brain that was occupied by stress and, and the hustle and the struggle and the this and the that. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's just sort of feel like in my my particular circumstance, it just allowed me to be a better version of myself and grow and take on challenges that really are awesome. Like I think being your own boss, and I'm sure you, you know you can kind of relate to this, is is really powerful. It's a powerful thing to be able to say, "Well, I really make or break myself, and nobody else is going to be at fault for whatever happens." But nobody else gets to take the credit either. Like I did this, and that's that's pretty dope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely, well said. <laughs> So, Miyuki, let's uh, ask a totally different question, which is, what's the pay range of, of this? If somebody were, wanted to actually get started doing this, like, how much money could they expect to make if they were doing an operation similar in scope to yours, which is to say, you're about as busy as you can be for a, a sure. little small business, but it, like you said, it's not like you're trying to... Um, like franchise out and you know start all these you right. know start one in san jose and one you know up right. in santa rosa you're just still with exactly. your own little area right so there's the there ah uh, there's that there's the thing um this is a a way i tend to answer the question when people because people do get very like rosy glasses or whatever rose colored glasses about this job like oh what a wonderful what what a wonderful job it must be you must get so much money it must pay so good to and you get to play with dogs all day it's like yes no um i am very fortunate i can make a living but i'm never gonna make a like a huge profit in the in the configuration i'm in um but i also you know that's like my pay so let's say i'm trying to think um my business, I think we generate as a total probably somewhere in the like 60, 70,000 a year. But what do I take personally from that is probably it's pretty modest. I'm probably at entry level in terms of um, pay grade for whatever, um, like if you're out of tech, I don't even know if it's entry level anymore for tech, but like I'm probably only make like somewhere between 30 to $40,000 a year. And I have to pay a hell of taxes because self-employment taxes are crazy. Look into that, guys, before you start a business, by the way. Um, so it's modest. It's a modest living. I mean, I I am comfortable and I'm happy because the things that I want and need are not – I don't, you know, I don't got no fancy car or anything like that. Um, I, so I think uh, be realistic. Like, you're not making a ton of money doing this. You're capable of keeping yourself – you know, going, I, I don't know. Like I, I think again, it's very dependent because you can do this in so many configurations that if you really need to big in the big, you know, make and make a lot of the big bucks and stuff, I'm sure you could do it if you, you know, if you really want to be like business minded about it, but that's not, I don't know. I don't it's not that easy and it's gonna, it's gonna take a while. Like, you know, I, I charge, pretty mid high i would say like um for what i you know for for the um the the kind of uh, work i do and i see people you know i see um other walkers or whatever like i see the flyers on the the telephone poles and stuff that charge less than me but that so maybe you know like 
it's a lot of it has to do with also like experience and credit, you know, like what not street credit is not the right term. Um, Those people probably don't talk to the dogs as much as you do. You know, they probably probably don't don't have these long conversations as much. Yeah. They just don't. Um, I'm trying to think of like, what's like the best way to, to really (laughs) phrase this. Don't go into this field. If you think you're going to make a lot of money off the bat, like you're not, it's not that kind of job. Yeah, you know, this but isn't if you a want job to have that a balanced has... lifestyle with uh, minimal, uh, I guess, stress in your life, it, it sounds like a pretty good option if you if you don't need to be making tons of money. If you don't need to be making tons of money, if you're not looking to live lavishly, I think it's a great profession. I I think if you want this profession to make that kind of money, you have to go the the routes of trying to be um, either a, like a brick and mortar like like a facility that has boarding and other options or try to make an app that really makes you a lot of money doing it or whatever. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's generally speaking, like the people that work for me, it's like, it's a part-time job for them. It's, I, you know, like I, I, you get a lot of people like that started like me that want something to supplement something else they're doing. Um, so yeah. If, uh, don't, uh, if this all sounds good to someone, Miyuki, what piece of advice would you give someone to get started? Oh, what piece of advice would I give to get started? Um, do your research. I think that sounds very vague, but do your research on what kind of one, like, yeah, starting a small business, you have a lot of expenses you may not consider. Um, do your research. Look, you know, look at each of the things that it's going to require for you to to get a business on its feet and then you know what are you bringing to the field in terms of i suppose like experience i i really suggest if people want to do this like either shadow a dog walker or go volunteer to shelter for a while or i don't know at this point maybe even like work for one of those abby companies just to see if it's something that really feels good and if that still seems like yes absolutely worth it then do it (laughs) (laughs) great advice miyuki dude thank you so much for everything we really appreciate it yeah not a problem um this has been a pleasure it's been fun to talk about what i'll do every day (laughs) definitely take care Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Just wanted to give you all a quick reminder that if you have any ideas for the show, be that a person that you would like me to interview or just a topic that you would like me to cover on the show and you want me to track someone down, or if you have a question for an episode like today's or any other episode that you were kind of biting your tongue and wishing that I had asked, you can submit all that through my website on the Submit Your Ideas link. And I will either track down an old guest to ask those questions for you or find that new guest that you want to hear from. Thanks so much.